This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Thank you very, very much. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Woodway for um, doing this most amazing, amazing Shabbos that you have done. And tonight, all the people at Woodway to welcome us here. Of course, I'd like to thank Ohel. Um, everyone here knows the work that they do. Um, absolutely amazing. And Dr. Mandel, of course, was the head of it. I'd also like to thank Amudin, Speak Luck is here, and I have to tell you that um, they're a very real organization. We have a, we opened up two months ago a ranch for uh, an inpatient mental facility for Jewish girls right here in um, Bethel. And um, there are a few girls that were coming from families that really could not pay at all for their care. And um, I called Tzvi, and immediately Amudin um, took care of the situation and those girls' lives are being saved only because he was able to react and take care of the payments that need to be made to the clinical directors and it's, it's a uh, it's a horse ranch so there's um, a lot of therapy that way and Tzvi always reacts and Wudum always reacts and they what they say they do they really do oh hell what they say they do they really do so and the task force I'm not I don't really know the task force that's advertised um, but I want to thank them also so I'd like to talk about addiction, I'd like to talk about prevention, I'd like to talk about intervention, and I'd like to give you a little bit of an understanding from the Torah, how the Torah looks at addiction, and a famous Kabayasha, uh, who was Rav Sadanabar, who lived about 350 years ago, wrote a very holy, holy sefer that uh, the Chidah and uh, many other tzaddikim always had on their table, and he actually tells the story of addiction, which is actually 350 years old. But I'd like to try to explain a little bit with a marshal, which I have spoken this, I have spoken about this in the number one hospital in addictions in Boston. Um, I've spoken about this in Utah with the Mormons. And Baruch um, Hashem has been received very, very well and can give us an understanding. In fact, I spoke about this today with someone. So let me explain to you what addiction is. So I am very against giving children on Purim to drink. Kids come to collect tzedakah, people open their houses, they give them whiskey, they give them wine, the kids get drunk, they're 13, 14 years old, people like Rabbi Wallstein, you gotta chill, you know, you're allowed to get drunk on Purim, you're supposed to get drunk on Purim. Um, So most of the people are worried and the advertisements that you see before Purim from all the different organizations is we don't want our kids driving drunk and, God forbid, killing someone. So that can be solved by having the kids being driven around in limos, as you see. So we can solve that problem. But that's not the problem. Let me explain to you an addiction, how it starts. So we as human beings, every interaction, everything that we go through in life, creates a road in our psyche. Whether it's trauma, we know, you know that Abudim stands for sexual abuse and what that does to a child and all the different things that we go through in life create all these different roads. So you have this kid who's 14 years old. He's in your house with Purim and he gets drunk. So he creates a road in his psyche that, oh my goodness, it was great. I'm not a talkative kid, I'm an introvert. But when you drink, you become an extrovert. You're laughing, you're chummy, you're having a good time with your friends, you're buzzed, you're not in pain. And you create this road in your psyche called drunk. You smoke one joint, like Rabbi Wallstein, come on. 
I'm just going to smoke once. It's not the end of the world. It doesn't make me an addict. I'm just going to gamble, go down to Atlantic City once. Rabbi, what is wrong with it? And the answer is that that experience that you have creates this world. The reason that 90%, I had a discussion this week with someone who has a rehab for drugs in Florida, he has 100 beds. The objective of the rehab is that after 30 days, they, they can send them home and not have them return for 30 days. That's success. 90% of addicts, after a 30-day rehab, they're doing it again. Why? This guy goes to rehab for 30 days. He's in groups. He's getting therapy. He's detoxed. He's clean. Why 90% relapse? And success in these therapeutic places is only the amount of time between relapses. The first time he was here, it took him 30 days to relapse. The second time, we had him 90 days. The third time, he's a year. And finally, we're going to get to a point where he won't relapse again. It's a great business because you get return customers. Why 90%? They really want to get better. Why do people get clean for five years, six years, eight years? I have a friend who has not smoked in 25 years, just started smoking like a chimney. 25 years he's clean. How can you go back to smoking? Yes, there's a crazy situation with this kid. But why would you go back to smoking? And the answer is, that once you create this road in your psyche, and then you go to rehab or whatever it is, you decide, I'm not, I'm not gambling anymore, I'm not drinking anymore, I'm not smoking, whatever, the, whatever your addiction is. So you close the road. Okay, I lived in a, in, on a block in Muncie. They were always working on the road. There was always those, those pylons, those orange things with a board, road closed. But I lived on the block. So I got out of my car. I moved the pylons. I moved, I moved the orange things. I pulled in. I put them back for the next guy. And I drove up to my house. So when you have a road, when you, when you have done drugs or drinking, gambling or all the other addictions, you have a road that you created. You cannot get rid of that road. But you can close it. Because your experiences in your life, you cannot erase. But you can close that road. And we do close that road. And the addict does close that road. And he comes home from rehab, 90-day rehab. He decided he's going to get better. The problem is that something in life, something happens with his wife, something happens in business, someone dies who's very close to, a friend ODs, automatically, as a human being, you go back to the things that made you feel good. So if I was drunk, and I know that when I'm drunk, I feel no pain. When I go back into my psyche to get away from the pain that I'm going through right now, I come to this road that's closed. But it's there, and it says drunk, feel good, laugh, drugs, anesthesia. And I come to that road, and I'm in a lot of pain. It's so easy for me to move the pylons. I'm just going to take one hit. I'm not going to take another hit. I'm just going to take one drink. Big deal. I'm just going to go to AC or Vegas for one day just to get away from everything. And you move the closing of the road and now the road is open. That's relapse. 
But if you never got drunk, I was never drunk in my life. So I always say that to all the people. Like I said that to someone today. He goes, I feel bad for you, Zechariah, that you never felt what it feels like to get drunk. But I'm a very impulsive person. The worst thing that could have ever happened is if I would know what that feels like. Because when I'm going through pressure and I close that road, I'm going to secretly move that road and take a drink to feel better. I don't know what it feels like. So I don't know that it's anesthetic. I don't know that it makes you feel good. The people that I see that are drunk, they look silly and they're throwing up and they're nauseous. They wake up with a headache. So to me, like, why would you do something like that? I don't have that road. So when I'm in pain and I'm, I'm going through something really bad, right, I don't have that road to go through. So when I look for a road to get better, it's not there. I'm not opening a new road. I'm too old for that. I'm not opening it. I'm not stupid. I'm not opening a, a new road. But I will go back to my old stuff. The people from the Holocaust, many of them are called the Hillenzagers. My mother, the Hillenzager, when there's a problem, they open up the, the, the why? Because during the Holocaust, it's all they had. My mother was on a march, all she had was a little Tehillim, that's all she said all day. So her go-to, when she's in pain, is a Tehillim. That's her road. So the problem is, Robert Wallerstein, if that's the case, if I ever did drugs, or if I ever drank, or any addiction that I did, you're telling me I'm stuck. That road's there. It's closed, but it's there. So I'll never be able to get better. And the answer is no. You can get better. And it's a Rambam in Hilchus Tshuva. And the Rambam in Hilchus Tshuva says that a person, I'll read it from inside. If you want to look it up, it's Perik Shishi Gimel. F shot's possible. That a person could do such a big sin. A rabin, or consider doing a sin over and over and over until he is not able to do tshuva on that sin. You created such a highway by doing that sin over and over and over and over. That means that for sure, the minute you need to go somewhere, that's your road, because you're always going down that road. Your GPS knows that's the road. As Ramam says, you're going to automatically go to that road, you're, you're, going to, you're, you're for sure going to fall. Or if you do such a big Aveira, that it's so big, that it's such a big highway in your psyche, that when you go back and you're, and you're out of the shore, you're, out of, you're in trouble, and you're in a situation, you're definitely going to go on that highway. So what do you do? You do the opposite of what the Rambam, what the Rambam was talking about is sin. You create a mitzvah that's so big that when you're in trouble and you're looking for that out and you're going into your psyche automatically, by the way, it's not even a, it's not even a thinking process. And you're going into that psyche and you're looking for the stuff that used to make you happy or used to make you not feel. There's such a big mitzvah there that you had such enjoyment doing that that highway is blocking that little road that has all the pylons closed. Or says the Rambam, if you do a mitzvah over and over, it's like a GPS, mamish. You do a mitzvah over and over and over and over again, it becomes part of you, so that when you're under pressure, there are guys who are under pressure, they go to learn. They started learning and learning and learning, and something's going wrong in their business, they're like, you know what, I'm not going to business today, I'm going to go sit and learn a whole day. What does that mean? What are you doing? Why are you going to learn? Because he started learning, and every single day he's learning and learning and learning. Whatever the mitzvah, whatever the mitzvah is, you do it over and over and over. It's the opposite of the Avera. You have to create the only way to fix the road that's closed 
is to create a new road that's much more traveled and much bigger than the road that's closed. I'm talking to you from experience. I'm talking to you from experience. I'm not getting into it, but I'm talking to you from experience. The roads in my life that are closed, I don't go to because of the roads that are open. Because of Arnava and the things that I do, when I, I'm under pressure, I go there. I go to my high school, to my BCA, and I sit with the girls there, and I talk to them, and I'm like, wow, look what's going on over here. I go, believe it or not, I think I got more use from the ranch than the girls that are there. I go to the horses, I go to the ranch, I go to the places that, I, that I'm used to now that are much, much bigger than the roads I used to go to that were really no good. So to the way for the attic, and any, anyone will know, that the first thing they tell an attic when he leaves rehab is you must change your environment. You must change your environment. You must stay away from the roads and the dealers and the places and the kids and the hangouts that you used to be at because if you're going to be so close to that road that's closed, you're going to end up going down that road. That is the number one. What's the number two thing that keeps an addict from, and, and a lot of the sober living homes got this, that keeps an addict from relapsing? A good job. Because if every single day you go to work and you make money and you feel good about yourself, then guess what? When you're under that pressure, you're going to work a little bit harder. And you may even become a workaholic. And that's going to become your road. But that's much less destroying than the roads that kill us. So according to the Rambam, the way to break the roads that you cannot break is to create a good road. And I tell that to all the guys. I'm like, if you think you're going to come out of rehab and you're just going to hang out and you're not going to do anything with your life, you will move the pylons and the road that's closed. And the reason that 90% relapse is because that road exists and they don't have another road yet. 30 days. They don't have another road yet. So the intervention that we need to create for these kids is that we need to give them jobs. We need to give them something that's bigger than the drug. That's bigger that they do all the time that it becomes part of them. And therefore, when they need to do something they shouldn't be doing, they go to a positive place. That's the intervention. I want to read you a Kaviyasha, and then we'll go to the next speaker. It's a very interesting say for the Kaviyasha. It's very, very holy. The Fido wrote that he had it on his desk all the time, that whenever Kaviyasha was in trouble, he would learn from the Kaviyasha, and they would see a Yeshua. A Yeshua. The Noim Ali Melech writes the same thing. You can read it in the preview. So he brings out a very different kind of story. And from the story, actually, there's different psakalach. And he says the following. He says, there was a very, very rich man who was a big miser. He could not give tzedakah. He could not. He didn't come to show Monday and Thursday, because Monday and Thursday they collected tzedakah. He could not give tzedakah, but he did one thing he had. He was a mile. And he would do a bris milah for anyone for free. That was his mitzvah. And he did it all the time, a bris milah for free, he was a good mayor. Everybody used to get him one day. If you want to see this, it's Tarakhafe in the, in the, in the you won't believe unless you see it, in the Kavayasha. So one day this beautiful tall man comes to him and says to him, Are you the mayor? He says, Yes. He says, I need someone to do a bris milah on my son. Would you do it? He says, 100%. Where do you live? 
He says, three day travel in the woods, in the forest. Okay? He takes his bismillah kit, he gets onto the wagon. This guy's very good looking, and they drive into this deep forest, far away from everyone, and in this forest, this beautiful city with mansions all over the place. The man says to the mayor, listen, I'm going to go bring the horses and the wagon into the barn. You go in and um, check out the baby for the, for the mila. So he comes into the room where the, where the, where the wife is, is in the room with the baby to come check on the baby, if the baby's yellow or not. And the wife turns to him and says, do you know where you are? He says, yeah, I'm in some city here in the woods. She goes, no. My husband is not a human being. My husband is a shindalot, a shade, a mazik. And this whole town is all shindalots. And you're in big danger. She says, I'm a human woman, girl that was kidnapped by them. I'm Jewish. He married me. We had this child. And a child is a brismila. By the way, all the place from this story, Paskin, that a child from a shindalot and a Jewish and a human woman has to have a bismillah. That's nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight. And he said, she says, I'm warning you that if you take anything from them, anything, they give you something and you take anything from them, you should know that you'll never get out of here. You belong to them. Don't take anything. And don't tell them that you know who they are. Okay? He comes to the mayol. He says, we want to invite you tonight. We'll make a vachnach for the baby. Please come. He says, I'll tell you the truth. I'm, I had a very tough ride. I need to lay down. I can't. I can't. I won't be able to do the bris tomorrow morning. So he, he worms his way out of it. And that night he goes to sleep. He's shaking. He's in a city of Shadim. He, he's like, I got to do this bris. I'm going to get out of here. The next morning he comes to shul. He does the bris on the baby. After the bris, the, sh- shin, the Shadim invited him to sit down to the Sa'uda. He knows he can't take anything from them. So... He says to them, listen, I had a terrible dream last night, very scary dream, and I took on a Tanis Kalani to fast for my dream. I can't eat today. Okay? Sits through the wrist, says, I gotta get back home. So the Shindal that brought him, who happened to be the head of them all, puts him in the wagon, and all the way out of the city, he says, we have to stop, I have a warehouse, I need to show you what I have in my warehouse. He doesn't want to tell him that he knows anything. Okay, you want to show me? Fine. He's very scared. He comes to the first room, in the first room, we know from the Gemara that they steal. Whenever you're missing something, and the, the, the boats that go to the bottom of the sea, this is what they collect. The Gemara talks about the Shindal. So this room is full of crowns and jewels and, and, and Mabeus and all kinds of stuff. And he says to the Mayo, since you did Mila on my son, I have to pay you for it. Take anything you want from this room. Absolutely not. I don't want anything. I'm a rich guy. I don't need it. Take him to the next room. There's diamonds and all kinds of jewels. Take anything from this room. I'm not interested. I'm not taking anything from this room comes to the third room. I'd like to read it to you from inside. He comes to the third room. And he opens the door. And the mayal turns white and starts to shake from what he saw. And this is what it says. All of them, the mayal didn't want anything. I have jewels and money. He brought him to a room. And in this room, there were millions of keys. And they were hanging on nails. And the mile was wondering. He saw his keys. 
His keys from his warehouses and, and his security boxes and everything. My master, you saw all my gold, all my silver, and you weren't in shock. And on this light, sir, of keys made out of metal, you're in shock. And my answer, I need not me, I'll have keys there, shall not take shall leave. How do you have my keys? What's going on over here? Because the male was such a Thompson, and every time someone asked him for tzedakah, he wouldn't give them tzedakah. He lost his keys. He lost his choice, like an addict. A person who's an alcoholic, you put wine, you put whiskey in front of him. Does he still have choice? Every human being has choice. But he lost his choice. He's still a human who has choice in life. But when it comes to alcohol, he has no more choice. Do you know why? Says the Kabbalah because he lost his keys. Because when you do something bad over and over and over and over, you no longer have the keys to change. They're hanging by the dark side. They've got your keys. You lost your keys. That's addiction. Addiction is never when a person lost his keys. He can't have a choice anymore. He can't open the door. He's locked. He's tied up. He's chained. They have his keys. And the Mayal did not want to take anything from the Shadim. So he couldn't ask him back for his keys. And the Shindalit said to him, God must be with you because we offered you food, you didn't take it. We offered you gold, you didn't take it. Had you taken something, you would have never gotten out of it. Must be that you have siyat and nishmaya. So I'm going to give you back your keys. And you don't have to worry because since they're yours, we didn't really give it to you. So the Kavayasha, he came back to his town. He took his money. He built yeshivas, based medrash. He did the time Kishavit. This man could not give a penny to anyone. What did he do? He became the biggest tzaddik. He opened up all his ice race because he got back his keys. Ladies and gentlemen, what was his chus that he got back his keys? Exactly what I told you in the first part of my speech. As the Rambam says, you got to do something good over and over and over and over and good or very big because that's how you get your keys back. His mitzvah, a brisk meal that he never said no to anybody, that's what got him back his keys, says the Kabayashi. The only way to break addiction is to create, to get your keys back, is to create something that's an addiction that's positive. It shouldn't be an addiction. But something that you do that's so big, you're the head of, I don't know what a tzedakah, and God forbid if you're a gambler, nobody's going to give you tzedakah. I'm going to give you tzedakah to a gambler. Or you, you, you're doing something that's, that gives you so much the adrenaline rush that you got in gambling. Winning that night, that adrenaline rush doesn't come near the adrenaline rush when you save a kid's life, when you bring someone close to Hashem, when you make shalom bias, two people don't want to talk to each other, and you bring them back together. That rush is bigger than any other rush. It's the only way out. And the Ramam closes. He says, for all those who don't have an addiction, feel them. Love
comes from the one that did. He says at the end of the day, and he rewrites what he's saying, that the other way out is through prayer. As you know in 12 steps, there has to be a higher authority. Without a higher authority, nothing works. Even in 12 steps, the basis of it, that you're connected to a higher power. They don't want to call it Hashem, they do want to call it Hashem. We know who it is. At the end of the day, says the Rambam in Shishi, for all our children that are dying, and all the children that are suffering, and there are so many that you don't hear of, dying for them. Get their names, find out who they are, and pray for them. Because even if you get locked out of your hotel room, you let your keys on the bed and all your good goodies are in there, and you don't have another key, there's a master key. And the master key belongs to the manager of the hotel. And I never understood how that one key opens all the doors, especially when they used to have hard keys and how that opens all the doors. But there's always a master key. Says the Ramam, in the end of the day, when a person loses his keys because of his addiction, there is one holding that master key. And that is God. Go to the manager of the hotel and ask him to open your door. And daven in your tefillah every day that Hashem should give all our children and all the addicts that are in Klai's role in the whole world, Hashem should give them back their keys. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.